Okay, we are in uh, Daniel chapter 8, and uh, I've entitled this Testing the Fulfillment of Prophecy. And I think this is one of the ways that you can test uh, how accurate Daniel's prophecies are. Uh, And we're going to spend some time on that this week, and we will do it next week as well. Uh, And so I want you to to concentrate on this and just see how accurate these are. Uh, And so uh, in this vision that he's being given, Gabriel will lay it out for him. Uh, These issues that you're going to study here have already been fulfilled in history. So you can actually test the validity of the visions. Uh, Within three centuries of when he would have had these visions, and he would have had these visions somewhere around the uh, period of around 530, 520 B.C., somewhere within three centuries of that time, these prophecies would have been fulfilled. So somewhere around 200 B.C., 150 B.C., uh, these prophecies would be fulfilled. So if you have your Bible, let's start with Daniel chapter 8. Let's read the first 14 or so verses. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, and that's the king of Babylon, so Babylon is still in charge, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. That's all in Babylon. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal. And the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged him, At him in great rage, I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The the goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them, came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens and threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up as as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of the sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to him, It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to me, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and the host that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings then the sanctuary will be re-consecrated. So uh, what you have to admire about the visions of Daniel is how specific they are. 2,300 mornings and evenings, and you will see that that prophecy was fulfilled precisely. Um, and so 
This takes place, his, this vision will be fulfilled in about three, centu- three centuries. And, and so what we're seeing here is Gabriel is about to give the interpretation of, of this dream, of this vision. And so in the first two verses, you learn that uh, Belshazzar is still in charge. Babylon is in charge. But now you're, sp- you're seeing a, a vision of a ram. Uh, and the vision of the ram uh, with the two horns, effectively, we're going to be told, is the vision of the Medes and the Persians. And the, that powerful ram will come in and will take over Babylon and will, will basically rule over Babylon and will be the authority in Babylon for about 300 years. Uh, and uh, what Daniel says here, that no animal could stand against that ram. It was a very powerful animal, and we know that the Medes and the Persians were extremely powerful. Uh, and so the angel Gabriel's interpretation of this is clear and definite. He identified the great ram as, an, as the Medo-Persian Empire, and you know we read that later in the chapter which would replace Babylon as the chief player on the world stage. Uh, And what's used here is the time of the end is consistently used in Scripture to to return to the time just before the return of Jesus Christ, the second return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Gabriel also refers to what will happen in the time of wrath. That's another expression used here, the time of wrath. And as used in Scripture, the time of wrath usually refers to the tribulation period, the seven years just prior to the final return of Jesus Christ. Um, And so uh, Jesus referred to the great tribulation in Matthew chapter 24. Let's look again at that as we refresh our recollections. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then there will be great distress unequal from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. And so you understand that this is Jesus speaking to you about how great that will be. Uh, great in terms of distress and suffering and persecution uh, during that period of time. Uh, and, and so uh, Jeremiah also refers to this. If you look in your notes, you'll see I give you a reference to that. Um, about the time of Jacob's trouble, meaning the trouble for the Jewish people. And so uh, in Daniel chapter 8, verses 5 to 8, Daniel describes the appearance of a goat with a prominent horn coming from the west and charging forward. And let's just take a look at that. Daniel chapter 8, verse 5. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. Now, typically what I have noticed is when, they, when there are horns, often the horns refer to personages, okay? Often the horn generally refers to a king, uh, a personage, uh, as distinguished from the animal itself. Uh, and so here, uh, Gabriel will explain that the shaggy goat is the king of Greece. Uh, and the king of Greece that he's referring to is Alexander the Great. And you know there will come a time when Greece will effectively conquer the whole world. Uh, Alexander the Great will be one of the great conquerors. Effectively, he conquered the entire world by the age of, I think, 32 or 33. Uh, and so uh, here's what, what really you're seeing here when, when Daniel has this, this dream. Uh, and he's saying here in this, 
he came up with, he came toward the two-horned ram. This is verse 6. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns, the two horns being the Medes and Persian Empire, and was power, and they were powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but that the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Now, what does that mean? This is somewhere around the year now, 323 B.C. Remember, Daniel is seeing this vision 300 years earlier. So 300 years earlier, he sees this vision, and so now Greece, in the form of the goat, conquers the Medes Persian Empire. They come in, they take over Babylon. There's one prominent horn. That horn is now uh, Alexander the Great. And then what happens in this dream, he sees that that horn is effectively broken off and replaced by four smaller horns. And what we know from history is that when the uh, when Alexander the Great died, uh, his four generals effectively then divided up the empire. How about that? They divided up the empire separately, four generals. Um, and and so that's really what, what's going to occur here. Uh, and you'll see that in my notes in just the last sentence before note number six. In early June 323, Alexander became ill and died at the age of 32. The four horns that replaced Alexander were four top generals representing the broken kingdom of Alexander's Greece. All that was prophesied in Daniel 8, almost 300 years before, was later fulfilled in history. Can I get an amen for that? And this is why Jesus certified that the prophecies of Daniel were accurate. This is why you can take this to the bank today. Even as we know that some are yet to be fulfilled, we have every confidence in understanding that that will take place. Now, in Daniel 8, verses 9 to 14, another part of the prophecy is revealed. Now, in that part of the prophecy, out of the four horns, another small horn grew until it reached the host of heaven. And again, typically, this is what it is. It's a personage. Okay, the four horns were the generals. Now there's another horn growing up. Well, this this other horn is setting is setting itself up to be a great commander uh, of the army. All right, and this this other uh, other horn uh, effectively will be uh, uh, called. Uh, and let me get his name momentarily. Antiochus Antiochus um, Epiphanes. Thank you. Antiochus Epiphanes. He will be this great general who will come up, who will then seek to take over uh, what Alexander had done. He will come out of Syria. He will be in charge of that Syrian kingdom. Now, this is important because Antiochus uh, Epiphanes will effectively replicate what the Antichrist will do when the Antichrist comes on the scene. And so what we see here is a twofold prophecy. On the one hand, it's, uh, it's prophesying about this man, Antiochus Epiphanes. But on the other hand, it's prophesying about what will happen in the end times as Antiochus Epiphanes will ef effectively uh, prelude what will happen with the Antichrist. Uh, and so now, as you focus in on this, uh, in this pro prophecy, uh, you see here that this horn grows. He, he will take over uh, the, the uh, uh, Babylon. He will seek to take over Israel, um, and he will seek 
to take over the temple and the daily sacrifice uh, and and will come in and will effectively spread the blood of a pig through the uh, temple. He will erect the statue of Zeus. He will in every way blaspheme God. All right? Uh, he will blaspheme God. Um, and, and so now what happens? We see here in the prophecy that the temple will be in this condition for 2,300 mornings and evenings. 2,300 mornings and evenings. Now, this prophecy has also been fulfilled. Uh, it, it involves, as I've said previously, Antiochus Epiphanes, who reigned from 175 B.C. to 164 B.C. Uh, now, he attacked Jerusalem. He removed the high priest. He, he installed his own corrupt priest. He enraged by rebellion. Antiochus ordered his soldiers to slaughter the people of Jerusalem, men, women, and even infants, more than 40,000 people were slaughtered. I mean, what you see as you study this time after time after time, the people of Israel are attacked and slaughtered. You see how evil uh, uh, evil forces are and how they focus on the people of Israel. Not only were 40,000 people murdered, but another 40,000 were taken into captivity. Uh, and so it's an, an awful thing. And, and it's interesting because he will presage, he will presage the Antichrist because he will come in and take control of the temple. He will put uh, a statue of a god in the temple, just like the Antichrist will do. Uh, he will blaspheme God with false sacrifices in the blood of pigs, just as the, the, uh, prophet, uh, the false prophet under the Antichrist will do. And so it's important to see this. Um, and so here's the thing. Uh, we know, we know that, that, uh, uh, that, that prophecy about 2300 mornings and evenings, we know that that was fulfilled precisely because we, we know this from a corollary reference in the book of Maccabees. The book of Maccabees is a historical book, uh, that, that the Jewish people had. And, and so what we, what we know there, uh, is that the book of Maccabees tells us that the Jewish historical record indicates that a revolt led by the people to retake the city, cleanse the sanctuary, and retire the, offer the offerings at the end of 1,150 days, exactly as predicted in the angel's vision. How about that? 1,150 days represents 2,300 morning and evening sacrifice. How about the specificity of God's prophecy, how it all comes together. Um, and so you see, you see how horrible this is. Um, and effectively, they refer to it here as what he did in the temple. And this is all, all historically accurate. Uh, uh, it's referred to as the rebellion that causes desecration. All right. The rebellion that causes desecration in the temple. As he entered the temple, sacrificed an unclean animal, a pig is an act of blasphemous worship of the Greek god Zeus. He then took fluid from the pig, sprinkled them around the sanctuary, defiling the temple, and as a final act of desecration, he erected a statue of Zeus. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, and so this, the, the purpose of this lesson is so that you can begin to focus in on the accuracy of these prophecies. The accuracy. And so you see that. Here it is. 300 years before, accurate in every single way. Now, as we deal with the second part of the prophecy, 
in Daniel chapter 8. The second fulfillment is the larger and more globally significant fulfillment. And by the way, before I move any further, let me tell you that Antiochus Epiphanes came out of Syria. And that is why many theologians believe that the Antichrist will come out of Syria. As I told you right before, that, that this will be focused in the Middle East, uh, and Antiochus Epiphanes is the, is presaging the, the, the true Antichrist. And so if he came out of Syria, we believe that Syria will have a, a greater, a greater stake in the end times. As I told you before, uh, that there would be a confederation of 10 countries. I believe that those countries will be in the Middle East and their aim would be to destroy Israel. And that's why I believe that, uh, the Antichrist will probably come out of Syria. Uh, and so we don't know, but we're doing the best we can with what God has given us. And so uh, the second fulfillment in the, of the prophecy is, uh, is suggested by some of the phrases used by the interpreting angel. And you know that the, as, as we, we interpret this, the angel Gabriel is speaking to us about the interpretation. And that language has been certified by Jesus himself. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 13, we read the unusual phrase, the rebellion that causes desolation. All right? And if you look at verse 13, you can read along with me. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation? That's the phrase. All right? Uh, and, and so that's an important phrase to understand. Later in Daniel 9, verse 27, uh, the angel Gabriel will refer to this future fulfillment again. Let's look at that. 9, 27. Speaking about the Antichrist now in the future, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Now understand, and I will go into this with greater detail next week, uh, the period seven weeks refers to seven years. So when it's referring here, a covenant with many for one seven, it means he will confirm a covenant with many uh, for one seven, seven years. In the middle of the seven, in the middle of the seven years, three and a half years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. How does that sound familiar? All right. You understand what's going on? So you understand this, that you see that this is a second part of the prophecy that's uh, effectu effectively emulating what Antiochus Epiphanes did, putting an end to sacrifice. If God showed you once this is what happened, now it's going to happen again in the future. He will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is de decreed is poured out on him. Abomination of desolation abomination of desolation, meaning what? He will put up a statue in a wing of the temple and demand that people worship that temple. There will be blasphemous sacrifices going on. And all of this will take place in the end times during the tribulation period, halfway through the tribulation period, uh, when the, the false prophet and the Antichrist together will be ruling in, in havoc. And it will be centered in Israel on the temple. And so you see this and understand this. And so you begin to see how God is speaking to us. God is uh, uh, showing us a picture of the future. Not that we sit here in fear, but that we sit here in awe and respect and love of God, because I've already told you, you'll be gone. You're not going to be around to see this. 
All right? You're not going to be around because you're saved, but this is what we have to do to a world that's lost uh, in so many in so many ways. Now, Jesus spoke the word more than 165 years after Antiochus Epiphanes had desecrated the temple. And Jesus used the very same word, uh, the abomination of desolation. So Jesus is repeating the very words of the angel Gabriel that was used to describe Antiochus Epiphanes and used to describe the uh, Antichrist. It's all coming together. It is all being certifiably fulfilled. And if Jesus says it, then you can take it to the bank. All right? You can take it to the bank. Now, in Daniel 8, verses 23 to 26, uh, the angel describes terrible times and this terrible man. Let's go back and look at that. All right? This is now Daniel 8, 23. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. Now, he's not talking now about Antiochus Epiphanes. Now he's talking effectively about the Antichrist. Okay? This, this prophecy moves around. Now he's talking about the Antichrist. He will become a very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding dev devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. This guy is going to have success after success until God pulls the curtain down. Uh, he will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper. He will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, not by, uh, but not by human power. So now you're getting a picture of what the angel is telling you what's going to happen at the end times. Now you're getting this picture. You see Aris, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Antiochus. Easy for you to say. <laughs> but now we're going one step further. We're going one step further. Uh, and so now we're seeing the Antichrist, and you're seeing how awful it's going to be. He'll, he'll put a covenant together. He will erect a peace treaty. And here's the thing. He's going to be able to do that because he comes out of Syria. He will be, he will come from Arab origins. All right. And he will have the authority when he does this to speak for the Arab people. They believe in him and he will put a peace treaty together with the Jews. All right. Can you see this all happening? And the world will bow. Oh, look at this man. He has brought peace to the Middle East. This is a special, unique man. And he will lift himself up and the world will begin to worship him until the most horrible things will 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 take place, really. Uh, and so. Uh, God wants us to focus about this. And so in, in, in Daniel 8, verses 23 to 26, the angel describes these terrible times. Uh, and you'll see two factors in the words that mark the fulfillment of the prophecy. Two factors when you, when you look at them. First, the angel says that it shall be in the later part of their reign. That's the quote. The later part of the reign that this fierce-looking king shall arise. Well, the question becomes in the later part of whose reign? The answer is the rulers who controlled the region once ruled by Antiochus Epiphanes, the region we know as Syria. Okay? Syria. This comes out of Syria. And so this strongly suggests that uh, the reappearance of Syria at the crossroads of uh, biblical and human history, something for you to be aware of. Um, Gabriel here suggests that there will be a final crisis. 
uh, during this last period of time, when transgression, corruption, violence, and lawlessness become so widespread that only by the intervention of God himself uh, will the world not be destroyed. And so you see here this singular person rising up during this period of time that we've talked about before as the Antichrist. And first, this individual is a fierce-looking king. The phrase is more commonly referred to there in translation uh, as strong or mighty. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's got great confidence. He's got great charisma. Uh, he's assertive and charming, and people will be drawn towards him. Second, he will have, be highly knowledgeable. He will have a great intellect. He'll have great talents. Uh, he'll be able to understand uh, difficult things. He'll, have, he'll be able to understand riddles, uh, and, and he will uh, plan strategies that will confound even the most brilliant opponent. Why? Because he will be motivated uh, and filled with satanic power. This is the devil stepping up on a world stage for one last time to destroy the work of God. Um, and he's described uh, in the NIV Bible as a master of intrigue, quote, unquote. He's a natural psychologist, a master manipulator uh, who understands what makes people tick. This is a guy who, when he sees you, knows what it is that, that that's your fancy. He'll speak to you the way that only you would know would make you feel good about what he says. He'll say the key things that will motivate you. And he'll do this not just on a personal level, he'll do it on a national level. And the entire world will be tricked. The entire world will fall under this guy's uh, power. Uh, and the angel says that the man's power will be great and will succeed in everything that he does, but not through his own power, as Gabriel made that clear. Not through his own power, uh, but derived power uh, from another source. Uh, and he will target God's saints for destruction. All right? That's what this is about, targeting God's saints for destruction. Now, in Daniel, we saw that, a, that there was a beast that had ten horns. Then that eleventh horn, I told you, look for those horns, and that, that eleventh horn... Uh, a little one appeared. This 11th horn uh, is the Antichrist, is a Caesar-like Roman-style political ruler who will head this Western Confederation of Nations in the last days. Uh, and that's identified uh, in Revelation as well. But there's another beast uh, described in Daniel 8, verses 9 to 12. And let's take a look at that. Another beast described here. And we haven't talked too much about this. Verses nine, Daniel 8, verse 9. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up as great as the prince of the host. It set itself up as great as the prince of the host, meaning great as the first beast, the Antichrist. There's two beasts. So we have the Antichrist, and now we have one that's going to be called the false prophet, okay? Uh, and continuing up, uh, it took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of the sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it do, did and was thrown to the ground. And so here we're seeing now about this other beast, two beasts, the uh, false prophet. So here's another individual 
who will exercise power in conjunction with the great political ruler of the last day. This other beast will cause deceit to prosper, and he himself will consider himself superior as well. Uh, and when they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. That's in Daniel 8.25. He also will have an amazing ability to manipulate people and world events through the power of deception. Uh, many people will believe his lies. So you see this, two great beasts appearing at the same time. The Antichrist, the leader, the political leader, the false prophet, who will be the agent of the Antichrist, uh, who will basically be in charge of religious issues and effectuating the power of the Antichrist. Now, Revelation 13 speaks about this great pan, uh, propagandist, um, and we can find that in Revelation 13, verse 13. You want to turn there? Let's take a look at that. I know we got, we're covering a lot here, but I want to get this down. Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast on the number of his name. What is going on here? Well, what's going on here is that this secondary beast, the false prophet, is going to set up a statue in the temple, all right? And that temple and that statue will somehow speak and be filled with life, animated. Now, if you've gone to Disney World, I can tell you right now, you know that this is not boggling your mind, all right? But it would boggle your mind if it was written 2,500 years ago. You understand? How can this be? Well, you see how it can be now, all right? And so he's going to do this. What it also says here is that the Antichrist will be given a fatal blow, a fatal wound. He will appear to die, uh, and most likely he would have died. And then this false prophet will effectively raise him from the dead. That's what it appears to be. We don't understand it fully, but he will have the authority to do that. At the same time, he will cause fire to come down from heaven. So you can understand all this. The world is going to believe that these people have great authority, and they're going to fall in lockstep with them. Uh, and that's why the whole world will be tilting to the end. Uh, and all of this at the end, that's, that second great false prophet will be the one on behalf of the Antichrist who will say, you must take the mark of the beast. And if you take the mark of the beast, as I've already told you, you will ne never uh, experience eternal life. You will not experience eternal life. And so it's, it's going to be hor horrible. Um, you know, some theologians are divided as to whether the Antichrist is the false prophet or the, or, or the first beast. But I think it's the first beast is the, is the uh, Antichrist. And, but it's, whatever it is, it's awful. It's awful. It's horrible. 
It's, it's terrible times. And so by comparing Daniel chapter 8 with Revelation 13, we see more clearly how these two personages work together. One is great and powerful politically, uh, whose image appears in the temple to be worshipped by God. Um, uh, but his image is placed there by the agent of the second beast, who is the fulfillment of the little horn of Daniel 8, who says he will be superior. In many ways, this individual will be a magnified version of Antiochus Epiphanes. Now you see it coming together, and so you see first, he, sp he speaks about Antiochus Epiphanes. That's fulfilled. But that merely is presaging what will happen at the end time, in the last days. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, this is pretty horrible stuff. This narcissistic vision of what this, this evil will be uh, is reminiscent of the sin that led to the fall of Satan. And I want to close with this so that you really understand what this sin is. Turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 14. And this is a powerful image uh, of, of Satan. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. And this is about Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. There it is, folks. That's Satan. That's what happens at the end. I, 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 I want to be equal to God. I am God. Everything in this earth that he will do with the last days will be about trying to destroy the kingdom of God. And in the end, he will be brought down to the pits. We win. Jesus triumphs. Yes, you can clap for that. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for these inspiring words, Lord. I thank you that you have given us these prophecies. Lord, you have blessed us as we get a glimpse into the future. And what we know more than anything, Lord, is we want to be with you. We want to step with you. We want to be protected by you. And we have your assurance that we will not be here to see it. But help us, Lord, to present this message to this world that is lost so that others can be saved. Bless our people. Protect them this week. Bring them back safely as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.